Chapter 18 of Hope and Have Fanny Grant Among the Indians by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 18 The Visitor at the Island. Yo, wo, wo! yelled the savages on the raft, and their tones sounded much like the barking of a large mastiff. Ethan saw one of their number fall and the commotion in the group indicated that the savages had been thrown into confusion by Ethan's well-directed shot. They ceased paddling, and appeared to be consulting in regard to their next movement. "'Lay right down flat on the ground, so that they can't see you, Fanny,' said Ethan, as he hastily loaded the rifle on which he principally depended. "'Won't they go away now you have found out they are coming?' asked she, as she obeyed the requirement. I don't know. We shall see. I don't care much whether they go or come. Keep still and don't move. I reckon they can't see us and don't know just where to fire. They can see you, Ethan. No, they can't, replied the resolute boy, as he took careful aim a second time with the rifle. He fired, but apparently without any result, except another yell from the savages. Three of them could still be seen standing and kneeling on the raft. As soon as the second shot had been fired, they reached their conclusion, and commenced paddling with all their might towards the island. Ethan now took the fowling piece, which he had charged with duck shot, and fired again. The Indians yelled as before, and one of them seemed to be wounded, for he ceased to paddle, and the third man immediately took his place. Both of Ethan's guns were now empty, but he had the revolver, which was good for six shots though the fire could hardly be effective at the present distance of the raft from the island. Keeping this weapon in reserve, he loaded the two guns again. It was very strange that the Indians did not fire at him, and he could not tell whether it was because they had no guns, or because they were afraid of killing Wahina. The party had probably been sent by Lean Bear to recover his son, and the success of the expedition was to depend upon finding the exiles asleep. The good judgment of Ethan had therefore saved them from the calamity of a surprise. When Ethan had completed the loading of the guns, the raft was within four or five rods of the shore of the island, and the Indians were paddling vigorously, though the unwieldy craft they navigated moved very slowly through the water. "'Don't you stop here no longer, Fanny. Tain't no place for you no how. Just crawl up to the tree and keep behind it. Keep both eyes wide open tight.' but don't let the redskins see you. But what will become of you? asked Fanny, unwilling to leave her bold defender even for a moment. Never you mind me. Go right off quick. Crawl up to the tree, and I'll soon fix em. Ho, wo, wo! yelled the Indians, apparently satisfied that their work was accomplished, for the raft was within two rods of the shore. Then one of them dropped his paddle, and with an unearthly scream leaped into the water, which was now so shallow that he could wade ashore. Ethan took good aim at this one and fired. Though not killed, the sharp cry the savage uttered convinced Ethan that he was wounded. Without waiting to learn the effect of his shot on the rest of the party, he fired again at the same man, who was only partially disabled. The savage in the water, who had been the most dangerous assailant, uttered another yell of pain and his companions seemed to be paralyzed by the continuation of the fire upon them. Probably they supposed the boy had but one gun, and when he fired it, 
that he would not have time to load again before they could reach him. Ethan then discharged one ball from the revolver, which added still more to their confusion, for they were jabbering like wild turkeys. "'Go away!' shouted Ethan. "'Go away, or I'll kill Wahina!' "'No kill!' replied one of the Indians, whose voice sounded like that of the messenger Ethan had met in the morning. "'Go away, then! Me go!' "'Go, then, consarn ye!' muttered Ethan, as, taking advantage of the confusion in the ranks of the enemy, he loaded the two guns again. The two Indians on the raft helped the wounded one in the water to mount the platform again. Two of the three were evidently wounded, as it was not an easy thing for them to paddle the clumsy craft away from the island. One of the savages worked at the paddle for a while, but it was not till the more able of the other two assisted him that any sensible progress was made. Creotian hokey! exclaimed Ethan, when he was fully conscious that he had won the victory. I've done em, Fanny. Have they gone? she asked, when she had joined him. They are gone as fast as they can, but I reckon they won't get back to the settlement till some time in the morning. We're all right now, Fanny, and you can go to sleep as soon as you've got a mind to. She was too excited to think of sleeping, and she sat with Ethan on the shore for an hour, talking about their deliverance from the peril that had menaced them. Fanny was devoutly grateful to God, who had again preserved them, and when she had uttered the prayer her heart would not permit her to keep back, she felt more composed and retired to the cabin, where she soon dropped asleep from sheer exhaustion. This was the only attempt made by the savages to capture the exiles on the island. The next day they continued to work upon the house, interrupted only by a heavy shower in the forenoon but the boat roof afforded them a perfect shelter from the pouring rain. It was three days before the house was finished, but when it was completed, the wanderers were as proud of it as though it had been a Fifth Avenue mansion. At night they took turns in keeping the watch, and when the house was done, both of the exiles were nearly worn out by the hard work they had done, and the loss of sleep to which they had been subjected. They decided that it would be best to rest a few days before they commenced upon certain additions which they contemplated. The stock of provisions was already much reduced, and the question of supplies for the future demanded attention. There were plenty of fish in the lake, but none could be caught in the shallow water which bordered the island. It was necessary to go out a short distance, and Ethan found a couple of logs among some driftwood gathered on the beach with which he constructed a raft just large enough to accommodate himself. To prevent accidents, he tied together all the lines which had been used about the sail, and pushed off the length of his rope. There were fish lines in the boat, and bait was obtained on the island. In an hour Ethan returned to the shore with a large musclange and half a dozen large lake trout. The problem of supplies, therefore, seemed to be solved especially as there were abundant opportunities to shoot the wild duck, plover, and grouse that visited the little domain of the exiles. However pleasant it would be to follow out in detail the daily life of the residents of the isle, our space prevents us from doing so. A fortnight of severe labor and constant watchfulness was passed by the exiles, when a great event occurred to them. Ethan had one day moored out his raft the length of the line from the shore, on the side of the island where they had first disembarked, when his attention was attracted by an object on the water, in the direction of the settlement. 
he watched it with interest and anxiety and soon ascertained that it was a raft on which stood a single person who was paddling towards the island ethan immediately pulled in his raft and went for his firearms which he carefully loaded in readiness for a hostile visit from a foe the stranger approached very slowly and the exiles were at last satisfied that he was not an indian as he drew nearer to the island he waved a white rag which was intended and understood as a sign of peace who can it be asked fanny greatly excited by the incident i don't know can't tell yet replied ethan do you think it is an enemy i don't reckon it is both of them continued to watch the approaching visitor until he had come within twenty rods of the shore he did not look like any human being that fanny had ever seen before his clothes were tattered and of all colors great patches of tent canvas were sewed over a tunic made of red and yellow blankets he wore indian leggings and his head was covered with a coonskin cap his hair and beard of grizzly gray were tangled and matted in knots and snarls crossed on his breast were the straps by which were supported his powder horn and a shot flask what a strange-looking man exclaimed fanny when the raft had come near enough to enable her to make out the uncouth object upon it i know him now replied ethan though i haven't seen him for a form for more'n a year who is he that's rattleshag who rattleshag leastwise that's the only name anybody knows him by he's a hunter and trapper that goes roaming round the prairies where does he live he don't live nowhere he goes travelling round living on the white folks and injuns they say he's the best shot west of the mississippi he won't shoot us will he no he won't hurt nothin the raft came up to the shore and the trapper landed how do you do rattleshag said ethan the strange visitor made no reply but walked deliberately up to the young exiles gave his hand first to ethan then to fanny tolerable considering said he at last where'd you come from over thar he answered pointing to the settlement and shaking his head anybody thar asked ethan anxiously injuns no white folks all gone some of em's killed and some of em's carried off awful times ever war added the trapper shaking his head mournfully where's the engine boy up thar answered ethan pointing to the cabin where wahena had been secured as soon as the raft was discovered for another attack from the indians had been anticipated you may let him loose again fanny she was always glad to perform this office for her captive friend and she soon returned to the shore with wahena he's all safe ain't he asked rattleshag yes we hain't hurt him and he's a fond of fanny as as a pet puppy dog glad on it i was tooken by the injuns over there and got nigh being scalped lean bar let me go to come over here after the boy added the trapper we can't let him go said ethan i reckon you might ethan explained in what manner the presence of wahena had saved them from the injuns we can't spare him till we get out of the woods ourselves added ethan then i must go back and be scalped replied rattleshag solemnly i promised lean bar that i'd get the boy or else i'd come back myself and old rattleshag never broke his word to injun nor white man that's so said ethan who knew the reputation of the trapper for simple honest and fidelity have you got a boat 
asked Rattleshag. Yes. Then I reckon we can go down to Mankato. The Saugers is driving the engines back. There's been awful times all through the country. More than a thousand men, women, and children has been killed. I've traveled all through from Big Stone, dodging the Indians all the way. They are as savage as painters. I come down here to get away from them, but I found they've been here, too, added the trapper, with another melancholy shake of the head. It's awful. Rattleshag overestimated the number of victims to this terrible massacre, though it has been stated as high as seven hundred. He related to the young exiles his adventures in his long journey through the devoted region which had been the scene of so much cruelty and bloodshed. He told of the men, women, and children he had seen lying dead and mangled in the deserted settlements of the wounded, starving, and dying fugitives he had met in their flight, and of the desolation which lay in the track of the merciless savages. The listeners were appalled and horrified at the sad and bloody tale. Fanny wept, and Ethan with difficulty choked down the emotions which agitated him. "'What shall be did?' asked the trapper at last. "'Can you let the boy go, or shall I go back and be skilped?' "'You certainly shall not go back,' exclaimed Fanny. An earnest consultation followed, and a plan was soon agreed upon by which Rattleshag could be saved. End of chapter 18 Recording by Scarlet, Louisiana